The reading this morning is taken from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8, verse 5 to 17. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised the Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. Good morning, everyone. It's really good to be with you this morning. Let's pray before we look at this passage together. Father God, we thank you for your words. We pray that it would not go in one ear and out the other ear this morning. Help us to listen. Help us to understand it and take it on board. Help us to put it into practice. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you were here last week, you'll know that the first four verses of Romans chapter 8 hammer home the fantastic message that for those trusting in Jesus, there is now no condemnation hanging over our heads. Even though we are sinners, uh, even though we deserve condemnation from God, there is now no charge against us. We are welcomed and accepted into God's family uh, with open arms. We become his children. Uh, that's the great news of the opening chapters of Romans. Uh, and that is our, our status before God. Uh, not condemned and now his children. And uh, nothing can change that. 
But verse 4 tells us that as those who are God's children, we've been saved for a purpose. We're to walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. That word flesh is sometimes translated sinful nature. Uh, so it's saying uh, we're not to walk in sin. Instead, we're to live according to the spirit. And that's our purpose as Christians. That's what we've been saved for. To help uh, try and get your head around that, uh, think about a parent-child relationship. And let me tell you a story about my wife, which I've had full permission uh, to tell you. Back when Sophie was at school, uh, she had some important exams to take and uh, her parents encouraged her to stay at home and revise one day whilst they went off on a day trip. However, straight after they left the house, Sophie quickly scribbled a note and left it on the kitchen table. The note said, I've done a good stint of revision, so I'm going for a break with some friends. Unfortunately, unbeknown to Sophie, her parents had forgotten something. And so 10 minutes after they left, they arrived back at the house to pick up the thing they'd forgotten and found Sophie's note on the kitchen table. Now you can imagine that at the time, her parents were pretty cross and upset. Upset at being lied to, upset at her ignoring their advice. And there was a pretty big argument, but it didn't change the fact that they love her and that she is still their child on the birth certificate. She does still get a lot of ribbing about her big stint to this day though. And thankfully, if we're trusting Jesus, uh, when we mess up, it does not change our status before God. Thankfully, we are still his children. We are not condemned, but we are hurting him. Uh, we're disregarding his amazing love for us and his purpose for us, uh, which is to be in a relationship with him and to live not according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. So how do we do that? How do we live according to the Spirit? Here's the first thing that Paul says. He says, set your mind on the Spirit. It's life and peace. If you heard uh, Johnny's talk from Psalm 1 last week, you'll know that there are two different types of people in the world. Uh, those who love pineapple on pizza and those who don't. Okay, that was... Uh, one of the examples he used. Uh, but his serious point was that there are two different types of people, those who want to get to know God better and those who don't. And that's what Paul tells us here too. Uh, take a look at verse five and six. Paul writes this, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Two categories of people, those who live according to the flesh and those who live according to the spirit. Uh, those who live according to our corrupt self-centered human nature uh, and those who live according to the Holy Spirit. 
Uh, and he says that those two categories of people have two different mindsets. Uh, and those mindsets result in two very different ways of living. In verses 6 to 8, we see the stark contrast between the mindset of the flesh and the mindset of the spirit. Uh, to set the mind on the spirit brings life and peace. But to set the mind on the flesh brings death. It's hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law. Uh, it can't. And verse 8, those who are, in, who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now that might come as a surprise to you. Uh, I mean, surely uh, those who aren't following Jesus can please God in some way, like when they're generous or when they volunteer for the food bank. But this passage makes it very clear that uh, that's not the case. Uh, we're told here that the two mindsets are, are in irreconcilable conflict uh, with one another. It might be helpful to uh, think of an illustration. Uh, think of a man uh, in a rebel army trying to overth overthrow a, a rightful ruler in a country. However much he, uh, he looks after his comrades, however much he uh, is diligent in looking after his equipment, you can't expect the ruler to hear of the man's good conduct in rebellion and be pleased, can you? And that is like people living according to the flesh. So if you're listening today uh, and you're not yet trusting Jesus, it's important to realise that you cannot please God unless you put your trust in him. Uh, and he, he longs for you to do that. Because for those who are trusting Jesus, here's what Paul says in verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Uh, Paul says, uh, that's not you. Uh, you have the spirit. Every believer has the spirit. And so that picture of a person living according to the flesh uh, doesn't need to be and ought not to be you. Uh, you're no longer a slave to the sinful nature. Uh, you have the Holy Spirit in you. So you can live his ways. Uh, you can please him. And so when Paul says, set your mind on the things of the Spirit, he means desire what the Spirit desires. Uh, desire all the things that please him. Live out your identity as someone who has the Holy Spirit in you. And what the Holy Spirit desires above all else is to glorify Christ, uh, to show Christ to us and to make us more like Christ. So it means doing the opposite of living by the flesh. Uh, we'll want to please God and submit to his law which Jesus summed up as love God with all your heart and soul and mind and love your neighbour as yourself. Now you might be thinking at this point, how do I live like that? Uh, how do I desire what the Holy Spirit desires? Well, the Spirit is a person uh, and so the way that happens is through our relationship, uh, it's talking to the Spirit, uh, asking the Spirit to to help in that moment of stress or temptation, asking the Spirit to lead us into truth uh, so that we know what pleases him. 
and saying, uh, speak to me from your words. And if we do those things, uh, God promises uh, we'll have life and peace. But it is, it is right to say that it's a battle to do that. Paul writes in verses 10 and 11 that one day, one day, our bodies and minds will be totally renewed and made perfect. For now, though, there is still within us the sinful nature, which is hostile to us growing in godliness. And so it's a battle. And desiring what pleases the Holy Spirit is going to mean attacking sin, uh, putting it to death. Uh, it's going to mean dealing with sin and uh, not letting it linger. That's what Paul comes to in verse 13. Uh, and that's my second point in terms of what it looks like to live according to the spirits. Uh, we're to put to death the deeds of the body and you will live. Here's what, here's what Paul writes in verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now it'd be easy to read this as saying that we will live because of our deeds, our works, uh, and what we do fighting sin. But given all that Paul has said before this in Romans, uh, he's definitely not saying that. The great pastor and theologian John Stott uh, argues that what Paul is saying here is this. If you let the remaining sinful nature alone, uh, if you allow it to prosper and grow, there will be terrible trouble. Instead, you must, by the spirit, attack and put it to death. The more you put to death the sinful nature, the more you will enjoy the spiritual life that the Holy Spirit gives, life and peace. The word Paul uses, uh, translated as put to death, it is violent and total. It means to declare war on our attitudes and behaviours uh, that we know are wrong. Uh, we're to fight them tooth and nail. Uh, he means don't mess around with sin, uh, playing with it or, or getting as close to it as possible. Uh, flee, uh, pull out all the stops in fighting sin. Many years ago, uh, I went on a trip to Tanzania with my parents to visit some missionaries out there. Uh, and on the trip, uh, we had the privilege of going to uh, the world's largest volcano crater, uh, which is actually full of amazing wildlife. Uh, it was incredible. But the road down to the crater had uh, big drops off the sides. And uh, we were told that you could see the remains of vehicles down there uh, who had uh, well, they'd driven off the roads or, or even where elephants had pushed them off the roads. And so uh, as we drove down into the crater, down that road, uh, we didn't drive uh, as close to the edge as possible. Uh, of course we didn't. We, we drove as far away from the edge as possible. And what Paul is saying here is similar to that. He's saying, get as far away as possible from sin. Stay away. Uh, put it to death. Where is it that you need to fight sin in your life? 
Uh, where are the places where you're, you're too close to the edge? Is it when you've had a bad day or you're tired? Is it late at night at the computer? Is it the booze aisle in the supermarket? Uh, is it when you've got a new paycheck? Uh, where are the places where you're too close to the edge and you need to, to not go there? If you're anything like me, uh, I'm sure you can put your finger on certain areas. Uh, where is it that you're playing with sin? I've been struck as I've prepared this sermon that it's, it's so easy to, to get comfortable with sin. Uh, and I want to encourage us as we start this new academic year uh, to start the battle again uh, or, or to keep fighting this week. Uh, or even better this afternoon, uh, why not try and identify two or three areas uh, where you know that you need to change and share them with a good friend or with your spouse. Uh, ask them to pray for you uh, and ask them to keep you accountable in those areas this coming year. Now, let's be honest, uh, talking to people about our sin, uh, that's going to hurt. That's going to be embarrassing. Uh, but yeah, yes, it is going to hurt. But the promise here is that it brings life. And it would be such a great thing for us to, to do as a church family so that we are fighting together to become more like the church family that God wants us to be this coming year. But let's not forget that putting to death sin goes far deeper than just resisting sin. Uh, it needs to change the motives of our heart, uh, what we really desire. Uh, you see, you're not going to do any of this unless your heart is changed and you want to please God. So here at the end of this passage, Paul shows us once again what Jesus has done for us, because he knows that it's only our relationship with him that can inspire us and motivate us for the battle. In verse 12, Paul says, so then, brothers, we are debtors. Uh, he's saying we are in debt to Christ. Uh, uh, look at what he's done for us, Paul says. He says, no, you are a child of God uh, with all the privileges that come with it. That's my third point. Uh, know that deep down in your soul. In verse 14, Paul writes, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs. Paul says that as a child of God, you have amazing privileges. Uh, firstly, he says, you have an inheritance. Paul says that we have been made sons of God. In this day and age, uh, maybe that makes you cringe a little. Uh, why not daughters? But Paul uses the word on purpose because in the Roman world, being a son was a place of privilege. Uh, it was the son who would usually inherit in that culture. Uh, and Paul is saying that that privilege 
is now for all believers, both male and female. No matter what your gender, you're treated like a son. Uh, you have an amazing inheritance. Secondly, Paul says, you are secure. That's an incredible privilege. Uh, you're secure as a child of God. Uh, we're not to obey out of fear that somehow we will fall back under God's condemnation. No, we obey because of the amazing secure relationship we have with our Heavenly Father. It's easy to be driven by a, a sense that we aren't worthy of God's and to feel that we need to make up for our sin. But Paul says, don't fall back into fear. Uh, keep preaching the gospel to yourself. If you're trusting Jesus, you are secure. You might say, but you don't know the half of uh, all the things that I've done. And Jesus says, there's no condemnation. You are secure. You might say, but you don't know the depths of my sin. Jesus says, there's no condemnation. You are secure. And you might say, you don't know that one sin that I have committed that no one could forgive. Jesus says, there's no condemnation. You are secure. Jesus knows everything you've ever thought and done and said. But if you're in him, you are secure as a child of God. In fact, Paul says you can have an intimate relationship with the creator of the universe. He says we can cry, Abba, Father. Abba is the Aramaic word for father associated with intimacy and relationship. And as God's children, uh, the sovereign holy God who created the universe says that we are allowed to call him Father, Abba. And uh, not an earthly father, but a, a perfect father who loves us and cares for us and who we can approach with confidence. So look at what God has done for you. Know that you, you are a child of God. Uh, look at all those privileges that you have in Christ. Let them sink in. How are you going to respond? If that doesn't motivate us to live according to the Spirit, I don't know what will, but I'm hoping and praying uh, that it has. Uh, so here's a song to sing in response. Uh, it's a song which is a, a personal prayer that God would be at work in us to change us and to change our hearts so that we live for him. Uh, so let's pray that as we sing this song together.